welcome friends to uh, another of our occasional on further reflections with Norm Allen, where I have conversations with people whose story I find interesting and nourishing for me and uh, whose stories I believe are interesting and nourishing for you. And today, uh, my friend Mike Jansen and I are going to discuss uh, his new Psalms project. It's a two volume recording but it's not just the Psalms project that's of interest to me. It's because it's an expression of his journey out of darkness into light as, as part of his recovery from a concussion injury he suffered five years or so ago. I met Mike, uh, as it turns out, about in 2003, where he was doing the music on a retreat I was uh, leading uh, for Little Trinity Church up at Muskoka Woods. And uh, my regard for him was really, really high just in his manner of leading us in worship and music. And I've watched with interest his development as a respected jazz musician in Toronto. And I've actually had the opportunity to see him play uh, in live venues uh, where he is uh, the, the master of the piano as a jazz musician. And so we're going to explore his story and how the Psalms became stepping stones uh, to recovery over the past several years. And uh, so Mike, welcome. Thank you Thank for you. being willing to do this. Why don't you give us a little bit of uh, a quick thumbnail on your history. You're a Toronto boy, you've been married for 500 years. What kinds of things would you like uh, yeah, to know? I'm actually a Manitoba boy. Um, oh, are you? Yeah, I grew up in Manitoba and I went to school there and I came out here in my 20s um, to go to U of T and to work part time at a church. And then I just continued to stay out here after that. I didn't, uh, I thought I was going to go back like within a few days or at least a year, but I just kept staying out here. I loved it out here and uh, provided some great opportunities for music. And you, did you, you're married and you have kids and all that sort of stuff. I know we don't want to talk about that sort of thing on anything that goes too wide, but just. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm married for, I think coming up to 17 years. Oh wow. my goodness. Um, goes Good by enough. fast. And I have two kids. I have a 10 year old named Hattie and a four year old named June who sort of talks like she's from Boston, Massachusetts. So uh, <laughs> she's really adorable and uh, they're both great. The house is always humming. So it's lots of fun. So uh, for a person like yourself, the combination of a significant injury that didn't allow you to play music um, is a hit on a number of levels. You could make no income. You couldn't be hard to support your family. I mean, it must have been a very dark, dark time. So tell us a little bit about what happened and uh, what the, the opening uh, stages of the uh, recovery were. Yeah, I, you know, I've had some stomach problems off and on in life uh, from a surgery when I was born. And so, you know, I, I sort of woke up in the middle of the night, had some stomach stuff, and I thought, I'm just going to get some water. So I went to the washroom, drank a sip of water. I took two steps, and I've never fainted before, but I went crashing down. I uh, hit my chin right into the tile floor, and I passed out. And a few seconds later, my wife was sort of at my side and she said, hey, are you OK? And I was like, I think so. You know, I don't know. Um, so I went, stumbled back to bed and went back to bed. 
um, didn't think about anything and got back the next morning and realized the window looked all foggy and the computer screen I couldn't see. And so I phoned one of my good friends up and she said, yeah, you've got a concussion. Um, and I thought, well, how bad can it be, right? Like, um, I don't know, some people get over in like a few days. Uh, the worst one I'd heard of was like five weeks. So I thought that five weeks sounded terrible, like terrible. Because right. I thought I had all these gigs. I think I had one with you, actually. I was supposed right. to play piano, right? That we had booked you for a Sunday evening event. Right. And so I had all these things. And as a musician, you have to show up. You got to get ready for it. Um, and I suddenly couldn't do anything. Um, and in the weeks that followed, it just got worse and worse. I spent most of my time in the basement. Anytime I came up, it sort of felt like, you know, when you touch an electric fence. I don't know if you've done that, but... Um, sort of felt like a jolt. Um, I remember one time walking with my family, just I wanted to go for like a 10 minute walk. I felt like maybe I was better because people kept saying one day you're just going to get better. Boom. I thought I was better. Went for this walk and uh, literally at around seven minutes, my eyes just were on fire in my head and I started to get really dizzy. And I just looked at my wife. I said, I got to get home right now. And then the next two weeks, I, I couldn't move. Um, so it was a really um, really intense injury and it lasted for you know months and then into years and even today you know sometimes I still have some not great days and this uh you had some hopeful signs of recovery if if my memory serves me where it looked like you were going to be back and then you had uh reversals so that hope for uh, maybe uh, playing at the Rex or something was maybe going to be in the cards and then suddenly it wasn't. Yeah, I, you know, I thought at around six months, uh, I was going to see a great doctor. Uh, he had me doing these exercises. I couldn't listen to music at first. I couldn't do anything. So he, you know, literally said, you know, see if you can listen to one minute of music, see if you can play piano for 30 seconds. And over the course of that six months, I got better and better. And I remember looking at my wife and saying, I think this is over. It's done. Um, but then my brother was in town and we went to go see, um, I believe it was world championship hockey. Um, and at that night I realized something was going wrong and I was sort of sliding down a hill that I couldn't stop. Uh, and that began a whole long season of sort of sliding down, um, which was, was pretty scary at times. So the Psalms project, uh, was something that was already in the back of your mind as a result of a conversation with our mutual friend, Keith Martin, is that right? So it was sort of before the injury, the idea of doing something with the Psalms was already there. That's right, yeah. Um, we went to this little sushi restaurant in Toronto. I think it's called Fume, right? Is that right? Yeah, we've, I've had many, it's, it's got the little sailboats that go around the, the center. Yeah. It's quite yeah. cool. Yeah, and uh, Keith took me out for dinner and, um, so when we were talking, he just said, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, I'd like someone to do a project on Psalms. Um, would you ever consider that? I'd love if you would do it. And I sort of listened, but I, in the back of my mind, I was thinking of all these other things, jazz gigs, and I had a symphony gig coming up and a whole bunch of stuff I couldn't get out of. And I sort of thought, well, this is a great idea, but I'm not sure when time will actually open up. Um, and then it was literally a few months later um, that I hit my head and, and suddenly I had nothing to do and I couldn't do anything and I just had to sit on a couch for a long time and the Psalms started to become 
a real lifeboat for me to hang on to and give me some kind of words and prayers when I was pretty desperate. So talk about that process, um, where the Psalms connected for you. Uh, I mean, you, you and I have talked before that uh, I've had my own challenges with the Psalms. I love the Psalms and I use them regularly. In fact, I'm using your two CDs and have for the last two or three weeks, uh, one song every morning uh, to get me into my morning prayers. And so I, I love them, but uh, an awful lot of the Psalms are about, you know, enemies and anger and vengeance. And I don't have enemies and all that sort of stuff. So I had to learn that the Psalms were something that had to trigger me to pray for others who were maybe getting that stuff, having that stuff, whereas I may be singing something that's a little bit different. So the complexity of your situation, what was it about the Psalms that seemed to be the, the thing that you reached out to? Well, I think just like what you were saying, the Psalms for me also were, um, I loved reading them. They told me a lot about who God was. And they also reminded me a lot of how other people go through really hard times and maybe what that looks like. Um, and I'd gone through some stuff in life, but I'd never been in the place where I actually saw myself on every page or most pages. And I think that, that uh, this such a big injury like this did that. I started to see myself sort of through a lot of the different parts of the Psalms that I wasn't, you know, didn't see before. Um, so yeah, I mean, it started off pretty, pretty simply for me. I, you know, what do you do when you're sort of stuck on a couch? And um, I couldn't talk to people. I couldn't look at movies. I couldn't distract myself with my phone. Uh, it was basically no stimulation. And you couldn't, um, listen to, you couldn't listen to music because your ear is so acute to what's going on in music. It would, it would be a major it would totally overwhelm me. Yeah, it would totally. I tried a couple of times. And I mean, what happens when you have a head injury or something like this, you, you start getting dizzy, start getting nauseous, and literally your head will not let you do anything of what you thought you could do. So, um, but the one thing I could do is um, I pull up my phone. Um, I couldn't look at it for more than a couple of seconds. So um, I started going through the Psalms because I thought, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm in a bit of a hard place here. I need some words or something because I feel like sometimes my head is empty or going crazy, one of the two. Um, so I started going through the Psalms and um, I, I sort of, you know, look at my phone and just quickly try to find a verse or two that I could quickly grab onto. And were, um, were there Psalms that you had in your memory bank that you said, okay, I'm going to go to because uh, I think Psalm 42 was one of the initial ones. So would, would you have in your mind well, I, I know Psalm 42, I'll go take a look at it. Or did you just do some sort of a crapshoot? <laughs> I'll just it was a bit of a crapshoot. Yeah, it was a bit of a crapshoot. Like, I, I think I started from Psalm 1 and just worked my way through. Um, and then I would just highlight, at the beginning, it was literally one or two verses. I didn't make it through a chapter ever. So I just quickly scan a Psalm for a couple of verses and highlight those. And eventually I got to Psalm 42. And that was at the same time I was my therapists were doing, getting me to do a lot of breathing exercises, trying to sort of calm my head down a bit. Um, and so I started, you know, looking through Psalm 42, which was familiar to me from my past. It starts off with as a deer pants for the water. And I was like, you know, I have a really funny story of when I was at camp, we used to sing it all the time. And we actually ended up hitting a deer when we were singing it one time. So, you know, there was this whole story for me about that Psalm. So I, but I kept going through the verse and I got to one, verse I just hadn't seen before, uh, which was, by day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. 
And you know, those were the first words that were, um, they were pretty critical because I, I started thinking about what that meant for me. I'd breathe in like, you know, by day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, would be on the way out. And I would just literally hundreds, thousands of times, I would go through my head at nighttime during the day. Uh, and it would remind me, you know, of God's hand, uh, presence, faithfulness in a season where I wasn't doing anything. You know, I couldn't rely on my gifts or how good I was at playing piano or anything. I just had to sort of sit there. So it reminded me, you know, of my value that God directs his love to me in all the unexpected ways. Maybe it was my wife, you know, bringing me a meal or my uh, daughter coming by the studio and just sort of give me a hug for a few seconds or there's all these little ways and big ways, friends dropping off food. And um, my one friend bought a Valentine's Day gift for my wife. Uh, I just had a lot of stuff around me that I could be thankful for. And then at nighttime, the hard season where there's no light, you know, it really carried me through those seasons as I thought of the words at night, his song is with me. Um, that what's stored up during the day sort of carries you through the hard times as well. So there's a sense, did you have a sense of the motion of God towards you? So you're saying that God directs his love was the, the line. I did, uh, yeah. So you had that sense through people, through whatever that the Lord was directing his love. Yeah, that's a great question, right? How does God direct his love to us? Uh, how do we feel it? How do we experience it? Right. Uh, do we need to sort of have done something where we get positive affirmation back to feel that? Do we need to be in a corporate group to feel that? Um, and for me, I think the regular places that I would feel that were sort of gone. Um, but what I felt uh, was carried. I felt held. I felt kept. And um, yeah, and those, that was the way I felt sort of God directing his love to me, that there was this eerie sense of peace when a lot of things are falling apart, but there was this deeper sense of peace in my, in my heart. Now the, the sort of the mission of touchstone is, is encouraging and teaching friendship in Christ. And so the whole business of spiritual friendship or friendship must've taken on a different dimension for you in the context of this, even this idea of God directing his love, because I, you know, we have, we've shared friends, Hugh Brewster and, and Keith among them. Uh, but, you know, people who take initiative mean something different when we're, we have nothing to offer back, I guess. Yeah, huge, in a huge way. I mean, one of my, one of my good friends um, has often said it was so hard being my friend because he didn't really know what to do. Um, I remember, you know, he would drive in and really, he would spend maybe 10, 15 minutes talking to me. I'd go rest in the basement for half an hour. He'd still be there when I came up. And then we'd spend another sort of 10 minutes talking. Uh, you know, by that time, I was fried. And so he'd take off. And he'd have and to drive in. And he wasn't offended. He was there to help. He no. wasn't offended, right. Yeah, and a lot of people, I think the lesson that I learned over and over was when someone's going through a hard time, we often ask them, or I ask people, what can I do for you? But um, when you're really sort of going through a really bad time, the best thing is when people actually just slowly do some stuff, just sort of take initiative uh, and jump into the holes. Um, one of my really good friends would take my daughter to the park. Um, my brother-in-law, I remember taking my daughter to go do pottery because I couldn't sort of spend much time with her for the first years. Um, so people would just sort of take initiative and it's really changed how I look at when people are going through hard times, sort of now what I would do. Um, 
I caught myself last week um, texting a friend and just saying, hey, what can I do for you? And I, and I was like, you know, maybe I'll just suggest a few things that might be helpful right. and just sort of go for it, even, you know, if I don't get the okay, as long as it's something that's helpful, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I, I, I've learned the hard way that most of the time it's presence, it's, it's initiative, it's not, not necessarily saying anything or doing anything, it's just being with the person in whatever way they allow us to. But I still, you know, I could probably find places in the last three weeks where I've said, if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. And then I, afterwards, I just go, well, you're an idiot, you know, because <laughs> people it, often aren't capable of, of responding. Uh, yeah. So, so Psalm 42, I mean, do you want, would, would you be willing to, to just, because this was the first one that's, now did it come, did it begin to be melodic in your head? while you were listening to those things like did music come to you yeah like being a musician and you know writing music a lot uh, all the way through the season from my worst days to the best there's records on my iphone of me coming up with little melodies and the main problem was i just couldn't be myself for more than you know a minute or two at a time so so yeah i being a musician that's the first thing i gravitated towards um it, it was an easy way of remembering it and uh, as well, it was just helpful to have a melody going through my head. So yeah, I, I, I would read the verse and then sort of let's listen, be quiet for a while and see if anything came to me. And sometimes a little melody would pop into my head that I actually didn't mind. So can, can we hear the, the opening melody of By Day the Lord Directs His Love, the Psalm 42? Sure, yeah, I can sing it for you for sure. Do you want me to sing it or do you want me to play well, it? Why don't you do the piano with it? Okay. Uh, in the early days, I would sing this melody through over and over, and it goes something like this. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. Sort of like a chant that I repeated over and over, breathing in those words in and out. Later on, I came up with this piano part. Song is with me. 
By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. That's great, Mike. And we, we'll have the opportunity to hear the finished product uh, when we finish this segment of the video. Uh, but the, the balance there between the, the, the confidence in the, the presence of God and yet the questions about the absence of God uh, are in strong juxtaposition. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, so Psalm 42. So then we'll talk a bit about then next stages of the progress, because let's how far into recovery did you actually feel like, okay, Psalm 42 is more than just a very brief snippet of melody uh, to I'm now constructing a song, which on the recording uh, takes uh, seven minutes. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, it's, it turned out to be a lot longer of a song. And um, the first part is more repetitive, almost Teze-like. Um, but then it goes into the verses, which are more questions of where are you, God? Uh, why have you forsaken me? I don't feel you. I don't see you. I'm stuck in this hard place. Um, and and that those were written later on. Um, but, as those, I was feeling... but those those are really interesting uh, because you can say, by day the Lord directs his love, and at the same time say, why have you forgotten me? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a mystery, isn't it? But I what I love about the Psalms and love about that Psalm is um, this idea of lament or pouring our hearts, our deepest feelings, our most vulnerable thoughts before God. Um, and the reason we can do that is because we can trust God. And so we can trust God with the hard stuff. We can get angry. We can um, ask questions. Um, but I think what God's saying to us in the Psalms is come to me to do it. Um, don't run off sort of, you know, throwing your hands up in there and saying, I'm just going to, I'm just tired of this. I'm done. I think he wants us to actually come to him with that stuff. Um, and so I think, I think often in friendships in life, like some of my best friends are often friends who've gone through the hardest things with me. Um, they've listened to the hardest things. They've walked through the hardest seasons and there's a deep trust that's developed. Right. And I think lament or pouring our honest thoughts before God are hard thoughts. Um, that also develops a deep sense of trust with God. And, and I would be guessing that it also develops a great sense of trust with friends. Like I've had, I've always had this feeling, you know, like my dad used to quote the, you know, how can you say you love the God you can't see if you don't love the people you can see? And I, it's in the Bible, so I'm willing to accept it. But my experience has often been, I can, know that I'm loved by the God I can't see because I'm loved by people I can see. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like that in some ways has been part of your experience. Yeah. And I, and I can't, I mean, I can't um, talk enough about that. Like I remember one time looking out our house in the early days, there was actually a lineup down the street of cars um, lined up to drop off stuff at our house. Um, yeah, getting a little teary thinking about it again, but there's just yeah. there's really thousands of times that people showed love to us in a deep way. And through that, you're right. I mean, there's just a lot of deep trust um, that's been developed because of that. This studio that I'm in right now, 
I actually started it right before I fell. Um, and right from everything from sort of the drywall insulation, everything you see in here was all people doing this for me, um, coming by, you know, faithfully emailing me, phoning me and just dropping in and, and not giving up on me, right? It's easy to give up on people after when they don't have nothing, when they don't have anything to give you, it's easy to give up on them. And people just didn't right. give up on me. And I'm really grateful to them for that. Well, and it is, it is an interesting thing that we discover about friendship is that, you know, I often will say, people will say, what church do you go to? And I often will flippantly say, well, the people who showed up when my dad died is my church. Uh, so it's often in the places where people are there when it's darkest for us that we discover uh, where the light really is. And uh, it's pretty cool. So uh, I think I asked the question about Psalm 42, how long it took before it became a fully formed Psalm. And then we went somewhere else with the conversation. <laughs> but how long do you think that, what, what was the genesis of that song? And then I'd like to just sort of talk about the genesis of some other ones. Yeah, well, after the first melody that was developed, um, I started, you know, reading through the entire Psalm and just trying to put verses in. Um, There's a bridge at the end there that more represented the full psalm. And, and, and I like the chorus because it does lift you out of that place of uh, questioning, of almost being frustrated, like, where are you, God? Um, and then it reminds you that he is near. Um, and, and yeah, the chords are sort of interesting. And so I decided um, near the end of the process to put a string orchestra on it. And you know how that, that was tough because of the pandemic. Um, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to get 20 people in a room. So I was looking elsewhere at Nashville and other places, but we got a, a short window of about four or five weeks there um, near fall uh, where I could actually record it. So, so about eight months ago, I got a string session together. And, um, and then for me, string writing has always been something I've loved. Um, so I gave... A lot of there's a lot of string writing in there in parts, and then right at the end there's a sense of um, yet will I praise you even though things are going bad. Right. And there is something very powerful about saying thanks to God and honoring God even though it's just not working out the way you wanted it to. Um, and for most of us, including myself, it's easier to share the stories of when you're through the hard stuff, and now you can thank God for it. But right. there's something really powerful about saying those words of thank you in the middle of some hard stuff when it's, you know, life, work, it's just not going the way you had planned. I mean, it's an interesting, uh, I would say an interesting experience that I've been through in my own journey. Um, I have my own self-sufficiency capabilities and ability to push people away. Um, and, and it took me a long time to realize that I would talk about struggles I had after I had figured it all out and come out the other side and very seldom invited people in on the process. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a big step for me when I started being a bit more open for help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's a really great point. I, I mean, I think we all tend to do that, right? Sort of keep it inside, keep it quiet get through it ourselves. We can do this. You know, we're old enough, <laughs> we're mature right. enough. Right. We'll and we are, we, you know, our whole, our, you know, you were raised in a similar tribal background to me with sort of the evangelical thing, which was very individualistic. And, 
you know, letting people in on your weaknesses was not a high priority, at least in the culture I was raised in and, and yeah. keeping problems secret and all this sort of stuff. And yeah. so it is an interesting thing to get to the point where vulnerability is actually a sign of strength as opposed to uh, weakness. But so talk about uh, next stages in this uh, process. So like your, your the two, two titles of the vol volume one is called The Carried Words and volume two is called The Lifted Songs. Mm -hmm. So talk about the carried words and the lifted songs why why is that significant because i wouldn't have i wouldn't have immediately identified a big distinction between volume one and volume two i i feel like volume two is a bit more meditative but i'm that's yeah. more it's you know that's just you know i've only listened to it five or six times you actually know about it so yeah um and the reason there's two volumes i started off with one big volume of 18 songs and you know i just kept trying to convince myself that this was going to work um you know it's always easier to do one album than two i only had one title which was the carried carried words and i just was like you know i just kept listening through it and i kept getting bored i just i couldn't make it through a song about eight or nine i was just like oh this is just so boring no one else is going to give it if i can't Give it the you attention. can't no listen to your own stuff. Who else was going to? No one else is going to give it any time of day. So um, that was part of it. Um, and so I, my mother-in-law actually passed away in September, which bought us an extra couple months. It was a lot of feeling of grief and loss. But on the on the plane ride back uh, from that funeral in Manitoba, suddenly it sort of occurred to me that this was actually two albums. And the carried words is a little more folky maybe a little lighter in some ways. Instrumentation is a little more folky. It's got some drums and guitars. Yeah, there's some up, there's some more up-tempo. More up-tempo. Yeah. Yeah, it's got that. And, and it also is a little, the words are a little more of in a place where I'm being carried, um, as I was talking about before. And then the second volume is definitely more meditative, slower moving, um, a lot of space, a lot of strings. A lot of ballads on there and yeah it, the words are a little more lifting thanks or gratitude to god out of this hard season um, so there's a little distinction there the main distinction probably is one is more orchestral and one's a little bit more folky yeah yeah um so we've got to psalm 42 so far and we're we're how far into the four years or whatever ever of recovery that we're into well, right now I'm I'm about to hit the five year anniversary. Okay. Um, and you know at the three year mark, a lot of modern medicine would sort of say you're not going to get much better. Um, but I've the last two years, both years have been huge improvements. Um, even this year, I'm about a year away from when I drove to my first gig, after not driving for four years, and now I can actually like drive quite a you know a few hours actually. And so everything just continues to get better and better, right. um, so, which I'm really grateful for. Okay, we've we've reached this point in the recording. Yeah. And we're going to end with the opportunity for us to listen to the finished product on the CDs. And I'm going to invite you to settle in and as long as you're not driving your car to close your eyes and to listen to Psalm 42, which 
Mike talked about by day the Lord directs his love and for us to take a, the seven minutes of the, of the song and sit still and be quiet and to hear the lushness of the music and the power of the words in a meditative moment. And so Mike, why don't you just guide us into that and then we will hear the, we'll hear the song. Yeah, you're going to hear the words a lot of times by day, the Lord directs his love at night, his song is with me, which is intentional. Uh, the more we sort of let the words sink in, the goal is almost to repeat them so many times we forget that we're repeating them. So don't don't be alarmed that you're going to be hearing this over and over again. It just gives a chance for God to speak into your mind, your heart, bring thoughts to the forefront. Um, and just sort of rest in those words that by day the Lord's directing his love in your life. And that at night, if you're in a time of night, that his song is with you, even if you don't feel it. Uh, and the verses are obviously questions. Uh, why have you forsaken us? You can think of yourself in times where you feel forsaken, maybe something where you wanted God to be closer and he wasn't. You can think of others who are going through hard illnesses, um, or tough times you can remember them during that time and bring bring them before god using those words um and at the end um yet will i praise you the idea that in the season that you are in presently um in the things that aren't going well presently that you can still say thank you and maybe god will sort of bring things to your mind of what to say thank you for it's a long section at the end there so there's lots of opportunity to let your mind wander into areas where God has done stuff, maybe he'll even bring stuff to your attention that uh, you've forgotten from the past. Um, so I hope you enjoy it as you listen. Be at peace with this music. with me. I did the Lord to 
forgotten about me Love at night.